0: The Blaze Radio Network,
1: on demand.
0: This is the news.
2: And why, 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 why it matters.
0: Hey, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. We are so lucky to be joined again by the mighty Andrew Heaton.
3: I'm back. I actually Yay. slept here last night in the building, so I'm just
2: still here. He tried to find his way out. I don't know if it's quite a big, big building, yeah.
0: yeah? All right, Glenn, top story.
2: Uh, top story, I go back and forth between Antifa and Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, let me go with Antifa. Okay.
1: All right, so. How about the uh, different ways addictions manifest themselves?
3: Okay. I'm going to talk about uh, George Orwell-like things happening in the world right now. Wow. creepy okay. okay. stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor, RydiaZone. I actually got an email from a coworker just earlier today. He had told me that he had started RydiaZone after hearing us talk about it so many times. And he just told me that without any change in diet or exercise, he's lost 10 pounds in 15 days. So it's not. No, it was
2: 15 pounds in 10 days, wasn't it? No. It was 10 Either pounds. one is pretty. Impressive. Either one is like. Either yeah, one with no yeah, really change to
0: diet or exercise, which I know the folks at RIDD Zone don't say, don't change your diet mm-hmm. and don't exercise. Yeah, they always say idea. you should have a healthy lifestyle. But it's really, really encouraging that that's helping, you know, for, for people that I know that we know and they did not have any modifications.
1: I think a lot of it too is like you don't even realize when you're doing that. You're walking down the, you know, you, you get the we have the jar of candy corns at our house which are and basically you buy
0: candy I love corn. Candy. Oh, I lollipop. What is what,
3: what is wrong with oh it? It's like yes. wax with
1: sugar in it. Do you
0: like the pumpkins? Yes. The pumpkins oh.
3: are always tremendous. Oh, so uh, I, you don't like candy corn. There's something wrong with you. No, can- candy corn is like it's like cigars of candy where like once a year you're like, you know what? That's a good idea and then you have some and you're like, why did I do that?
1: to you? So <laughs> that oh good. I I so but you, I think like you control those cravings you're not popping down a couple yes. handfuls of those every time you walk by. It probably makes a difference without you even noticing it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so go to ridyzone.com, Order a three-month supply with offer code THEBLAZE. It's working for a lot of us here. It could work for you. All right, Glenn, you, the, the little lever yeah. landed on <laughs> Gavin <laughs> yeah.
2: McGinnis. So um, I spoke to Gavin McGinnis today on, on radio, um, and I like him. Uh, he's funny. You know him, don't you? Right. In, in fact, we, he,
3: he recommended a blazer, uh, a, a tailor to me. I'm wearing a... Uh, the, this is his same tailor. Bla- uh, it actually tailor. is very uh, lovely. I was going is, to you, know you know what? He has very snappy that. dress style. Yeah. Can't okay. fault mm-hmm. him on that. All right. So <laughs> tell me about him. Tell me who he is. Uh, so I know Gavin because I used to be a writer on Fox Business for The Independence and for Kennedy. And he was a frequent guest on both programs, although he's now with CRTV. Uh... Gavin's a really fun guy. I will say he's a provocateur, and I think yeah. that's the key to understanding Gavin. Is that Ga- Gavin is, um, and he does oscillate a little bit. Where if someone beats him up, then it, it'll he'll be very serious about it. But like you know, he'll he, he's
2: looking to get a rise out of people quite a lot. So he's, it's working.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah it's, it's working. working. He did it's that. working. He's really good at it. At that
1: goal.
2: <laughs> so I, I said to him today because you know he had trouble on the streets of New York, and of course the press is blaming it on him. It was Antiva. And now, surprise, surprise, now that they have released one of the uh, videos that came out of security. This one, watch this. This is Antifa walking up. No, those are ninjas. They (laughs) they said they were unprovoked. Look it, they threw something out. Here comes uh, the uh, Proud Boys. They get into a fight. uh, Wow. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's One bad. One thing to do is, if you're going to get into a fight, fight someone in skinny jeans. That's uh, <laughs> it's always a good idea. Yeah. So,
2: so I talked to him about this, and we were talking about the difference between uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and I, 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 Martin Luther King is the winner of those two, and I, I heard in his voice the frustration that I think a lot of people have on, you know, who's standing up to these thugs the media is excusing them the democrats are embracing them and they are fascists they're they'll tell you who to speak where to drive that's not right um but he he is he is i think really torn and i i think his family has come under attack i think he has now personally come under attack and um i wondered after i hung up the phone i said to Stu. I remember when I was at CNN, and it was because of Alex Jones. Alex Jones had said that I was the CIA operative that uh, you know orchestrated the cover-up for the 9-11. Which was true. You know, yeah.
3: I was about to it's, say, this is all now. coming together now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
2: um, and I said, the 9-11 truthers, with Alex Jones, they are dangerous. And um, uh, it was the closest I think I've ever come to a near-death experience, and I remember I had to be on tour, and I was on tour for about a month and a half, and we had to switch buses all the time. I, I mean, security was on me, and I remember that month and a half was really difficult. When people are actually trying to kill you, it's pretty hair-raising. And, um, and I decided then, I'll never say the things that I don't believe, or I'll never say... I'm not going to die for a piece of comedy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to die for something that I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure, you know? Um, And I think that perhaps Gavin is getting to that point to where he sees how serious this is becoming,
1: and it's not about losing a platform. It's about losing your life. I think, too, I mean, I think he is starting to see this moment where the media has decided... That he is equally as bad as Antifa, or the real cause of the problems. It's craziness. And you know, look, I don't, you know, I don't love those tactics at all. I mean, I like Gavin. I think he's he's a good, he's a really smart guy, and and seemingly uh, you know a, a funny guy. And I would agree with him. I'm sure on 90 yeah. percent of stuff. I don't really like this approach per se, but he is. Um, when you become a target, when multiple you know big time national reporters are putting the blame for all of these incidents on him publicly. I mean, the target is going on this, this organization. They're, they are—they have identified a way out of this hassle. Uh, I think in the media, uh, blaming the Proud Boys for all of this, and and you know, he's right in the crosshairs of this. Can I ask? And I don't know. And I—I
3: I was uh, preoccupied, so I wasn't able to listen to the interview you did with him. I mean, from where I'm looking at it, kind of looks like a lot of those guys that are in Proud Boys are are wanting to get into a fight as well. I mean, that's kind of my read on the situation, and I don't, I don't particularly like
2: when either group, if they're looking to fight, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I think that the the deal with Proud Boys, they are sick and tired of somebody saying you can't say this, you can't do this. Who are you to say that to people? And so they put themselves in these awkward positions ready to swing back you swing at them they'll swing back they're not going to swing first but still you know they know what they're getting they know what they're getting into and and it violates the martin luther king gandhi jesus abraham lincoln principles that's not going to win in in today's society and i think that's what gavin may be seeing now with the press they will they've already picked sides they are for antifa if you go in and swing against Antifa, you will lose in the in the press. Um, and I, you know, I said to I said to Stu, and we were just talking about it with some people out in the hallway before we went on, that before we went to Washington, we talked about Martin Luther King on the air a lot. Before we went to Birmingham, I had everybody who marched with us in Birmingham, the largest civil rights march since Martin Luther King in Birmingham what 4 years ago and and people didn't understand they said why are you making us do this and I signed I had everybody sign a the Martin Luther King contract of nonviolence and I said because it's good training cuz these times are coming I think it's now I think it's now that people and maybe this is where the 912 project should be Um, If there's any of that left, um, you know, the people who will link arms and act as Martin Luther King acted and um, take the beating to show the world
1: how evil these people are. Yeah, Uh,
0: Stu, you said that you wanted to talk about. Uh, Addiction?
1: Yes, there's a book out. It's called uh, Addicted to Outrage. I don't know if anyone has uh, has heard of it. It's not good. Uh, Can can (laughs) I just
0: really quickly, can I just say, Uh I was almost done with the book, and I wanted to finish it, and I just didn't have the time to sit down and read, and I got it on Audible, and it is Amazing! You do an amazing job narrating it. I like anyone, even if you've read the book, go back and get it on Audible. It's worth. I had to start at the beginning because really I was like, good. I started listening and I was like, what all have I missed? So I started it from the beginning. A lot. It's so great. Thanks.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, when it comes to the addiction to outrage, one of the things we've talked about uh, before, and this goes on both sides of the aisle, but we have talked about it with with the media, and I think there's this, this obsession or addiction. Uh, To sort of Trump-related outrage, right? Like the outrage of the day, he tweets something, you know, everyone gets outraged, and there's this goes on and on. Um, There's different levels of it, though, right? There's the Kavanaugh level of it, where I mean, people who, even people I think are generally balanced in the media, went kind of off their off the rocker Mm -hmm. with with that story. There was just so much of that going on, and you know, really just assigning standards of you know of guilt to people who they had absolutely no idea about. Uh, their guilt. And you know, that, was, that just got really strange. But there's a more subtle slow burn that goes along with this as well. And we have an example of it from CNN. This is a story they're talking about where Trump did an interview this past weekend um, where he talked uh, uh, about Secret that he was, a, um, he was saying, I'm not a baby. Uh, and you know, it was kind of a, a little bit of a phrase, but look at, look at the way that they handled this. And, and it's, just, it's just a bizarre, it's more of an obsession than an addiction maybe, but watch the clip and then we'll talk about it.
2: Reports that he had his half brother assassinated, slave labor, public executions. This is a guy you I love? Don't know all these things. I mean,
3: I'm not a baby. I'm not saying I trust everybody in the White House. I'm not a baby.
1: Who's your baby? Yeah, Jonathan Martin, he's not a baby. Yeah. He's not a baby. Why is he telling us he's not a baby? He's obsessed with whether or not people call you, know, you a baby. John, when
2: I came on this morning, I didn't know there would be a sort of Freudian segment.
3: Yeah.
4: You're looking at the Oh, yes. <laughs> at the
1: this president. Um,
4: yeah, I'm not this?
2: sure why he. Look, I think that's kind of like an old New York real estate term. It's kind of like a sort of. 70s, 80s reference, I guess, to like, I'm a sophisticated, I get the tough, cruel world out there, and I'm not naive. Not but all, he yeah. also told told Stulley, he said, I'm president, and you're not. Which I thought was like as extraordinary as saying he was not a baby.
1: It anyway. may be the type of thing that in fact a Baby would say? If the baby could talk.
2: (laughs) Baby
3: is actually, it's a Trump verbal tick. You know, there was a scene in the book I did during the campaign where Trump blows up at Paul Manafort, who has decided that in order to communicate with Trump, who won't listen to him anymore, this is toward the end of Manafort's tenure, he has to go on cable TV and speak to Trump through TV. You know, and there's a scene where Trump blows up in Manafort and says, you know, do you think I'm a baby? You know, am I a baby, Paul? Do I wear a little diaper? And, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a mental
1: image that Trump apparently is, is obsessed with.
2: No, I think the media is.
1: What? Like, again, I don't... Like, Trump is not my guy. I'm not a fan. Uh, I just... I don't understand why they... They are so obsessed with this. The guy said baby in two separate conversations in his life that we know about. (laughs) And they're saying multiple times he's obsessed with it. Like, why? This isn't some...
2: uh, Unless I was a real estate mogul in the 70s and 80s, (laughs) I I know it's because... What do you think I am, a baby? Yeah. Meaning... I can handle it. I can handle it, right?
1: right? Like, I it's mean, this
4: is so crazy. A very
1: standard phrase to use in that context. And so he's used it in two separate conversations. One we know about, one has been reported on uh, in a previous book, multiple years apart. And this was, you saw the edits in there. This is like a six or seven minute conversation about how he's, uh, he's obsessed with using the word baby, which is there's, not, there's no evidence this is actually true, this, you nor what, would it matter.
2: You remember what Ted Koppel said a couple of weeks ago when he had Brian Stelter up on stage and he was like, you see an end, you yeah. guys are over. Yes. Without him, you're nothing. <laughs> you love this stuff. And, he, and Brian was like, no, no, no. <laughs> of course not. Uh, well, yeah, This is this is proof of it. We have Saudi Arabia. Killing a guy, chopping him up, putting him into a suitcase, saying they
1: didn't do it, and then saying, okay, yeah... We did it and the suitcase thing is true. And to this point, like the people talking about uh, the, the Saudi Arabia coming out and admitting that that's true, that was CNN's information. Like CNN is the one who actually broke the story and they're talking about whether <laughs> he's a baby right, or so not. So they break it's the like,
0: story and then interrupt that
1: story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got something much
2: more important. <laughs> yeah. Did you see he calls baby? What baby? It, there's so many important things that are going on and no one's talking
1: about yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's what, what why it matters right on this particular story. It's like, you know, the, there, are, there are real things. you can actually. If you want to go against Trump, you can find lots of real stuff to go after him on. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's plenty of reasons. <laughs> As a Trump, comedy writer,
3: yeah. <laughs> yes. well, honestly, he's actually hard to work with from a comedy perspective because you want to be able to um, you want to be able to exaggerate. accelerate and exaggerate, and he's right. kind of a walking <laughs> onion headline. <laughs> <laughs> so if, he's like, if he comes out and he's like, "Today, I will," I, know, I can't do a good. job, I will hang Rosie O'Donnell. I'm like, I don't know where to take that. Uh, so he's he's hard to do comedy with. But, he, but there are plenty of particular, uh, <laughs> really good reasons to dislike the man. Uh, however, I think getting getting hung up and obsessed on, on day-to-day stuff, uh, for one thing that I, like I've like, i noticed, there are all these things going on, and it's pretty easy to, to I think, to both lead him around by the nose, because if you comment on a body part, he will talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, which, like, if I ever get to meet him, I will absolutely be like, your ears are great, why are you even, and then he'll bring it up again. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, if he says something weird, uh, because everyone in the media is so attentive to everything he's saying, and it's like, hold on, take a deep breath, because there's probably some real, you know, go back to the tax returns or something, I don't know, pick a topic and stay with it, rather than just going on, you know,
1: it's, yeah, it's true, and I think like, this is a, f- a major fault. It's why we get in these weird cycles where we're just obsessing about nothing. I, like, today, I went on, on my little Twitter app, I went to settings, and I went to content preferences, and then muted words, and I put in horse face because I don't want to see any tweets about Donald Trump's tweet about calling Stormy Daniels a horse face. I don't care about it. Not, it does not make any difference to me in any way, and I want it off of my feed completely, and you know what? It's been a wonderful day. Yeah. I get lots of actual real information instead of the 9,000 jokes and comments from everybody in the world about whether he's a horse, but, he's a horse face. But
3: if, if there's some sort of horse facial care product that you were otherwise mm-hmm. going to be exposed to for your uh, horse, you've missed horse. it. You're
1: what right happens to your down. first human horse
2: face transplant? You
1: know, I'm going to be you're behind that kidding. news. I'm going to be, I'm going to be <laughs> out of the news cycle like, on uh, that. My horse still has acne. <laughs> uh, yeah. Only uh,
2: uh,
0: back in a minute. <laughs> I
2: just had a jar of horse face
1: mess. Yeah.
4: Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall.
0: Before we get into it, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsor, My Patriot Supply. Glenn, you rave about how great their food is.
2: My Patriot Supply is something that, remember when when we first started talking, it was like 9-11, I first started thinking, I should buy some gold. And then, you know, there was talk about ricin and, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, this is not good. I think I want to store some food. At that time, literally, it'd be like, a, you'd get like wheat in a big barrel, and you'd be like... I don't see myself grinding wheat to make bread in an emergency. It's just not going to happen. My patriot supply actually started with a guy who was a prepper himself, and he started getting stuff, and he's like, this is crap. And so started going to manufacturers and companies and saying, no, we want this. So they made it out. Really, it grew out of a prepper's uh, frustration. And right now you can get uh, for $75 a two-week emergency food supply, Everybody should have one. I mean, you know. Self-life
0: of 25 years, right? Yeah,
2: 25 years. And I'm... I'm just saying it is good enough that if the wife isn't around and you don't want to cook, maybe a few of those disappear on a weekend. I'm just saying. Not
0: that that's but, ever but happened. But then when the, when the yeah. grid
2: does go down, yeah. <laughs> they're like, thank God we've got that
3: fortnight supply. <laughs> right. like, you know yeah. when you went to, to Las yeah. Vegas to see de Soleil? <laughs> yeah. I,
0: you know, I, I, I uh, ate all the
3: food. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I've got a bucket of wheat.
0: So you can go to preparewithnews.com. And like Glenn said, two week. Emergency food supply kit for seventy-five dollars. That's a steal. Go there now. All right, Andrew. You said George Orwell. Yeah. Uh,
3: so well. there's there's a group that I want to talk about. It's called the Uyghurs, who are, are in um, mm-hmm. I think it's Xinjiang yes. or Xinjiang yeah. China. So this is mm-hmm. far western China, mm-hmm. uh, and they're the they're an ethnic minority and they're also a religious minority because they're Muslims in China. Uh, and are uh, uh, there was a report that came out that the the regional you know chairman of the whatever basically the governor of that area. Um, who's not elected by them, was saying, don't worry, the camps that we're putting these people in are just vocational training centers. <laughs> and We give them a touch of color. Uh, was, you know, it makes life more colorful, I think was his phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of the people coming out of it are saying, no, we're being tortured. Uh, there was one guy that like, tried to kill himself, and they gave him like, six extra years in the camp. Um, so they punished. Well, they need so, to see more films. Right. He needed. He hadn't. Right. And they, they have to like to get food. You have to sing patriotic songs about how wonderful China is. They encourage you to give up Islam in favor of the mm-hmm. Communist Party. Uh, and, the, the, and this is terrible. Right. But the creepy part that I'm kind of looking at going, ooh, is uh, and, I mean, I feel bad about this regardless, but they've got <laughs> 40,000 CCTV cameras in this region of China. Uh, and they've got facial recognition software for all of these people, or at least a, su- a substantial portion. About a million people are in these camps right now. So the population of Montana uh, is over there, and they've got uh, they'll have they'll do a swab to get DNA traces. So I mean, this is a level of um, surveillance that George Orwell didn't even think of in 1984. I mean, it's intense bad stuff happening over there to them.
2: They are what's what's frightening to me, and I think that the torching of the Chris uh, the Christian churches over there, the taking down of the cross, the removal of Jesus to put President G on the altar. That is all Hitler-like stuff. And I think they, you know, they targeted the Christians first. And now the Pope is saying, oh, by the way, yeah, we don't, the Vatican doesn't need to pick the, the, the bishops. You pick the bishops, Communist Party, and we'll accept them as our bishops. That's insane. That is taking the underground church and killing it. Because nobody stood up, I really think it's the lesson that Hitler learned when he watched what happened in Turkey with the, uh, with the genocide of the Armenians. Hitler saw that, saw that no one stood up for the Christians. He said, if they can do that to the Christians, I can do whatever I want to the Jews. China, doing this to the Christians, nobody steps up. He can do whatever he wants to the Muslims. And that's a real sentence on, on us we don't seem to care. A million people is nothing. They are building these camps all over. It's not just going to be the Muslims that are in it. The Sharp Eyes program starts in 2020, and that is countrywide.
0: And can you remind the audience what that is, Sharp Eyes?
2: Sharp Eyes is um, a a total and complete surveillance state. They already have it in several. Uh, I think I wrote about it in the book. Mm-hmm. They have it in. in Terrifying.
0: Terrifying, Terrifying, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Um, They have it in several provinces. Uh, The people didn't like it at first. Now they 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 love it. Yeah, Yeah. they love it. They
1: all love it. They're all smiling every time they buy a camera. Why would they have any time? (laughs)
2: If you walk, if you jaywalk, uh, you get points taken from oh, is you. This, is this a social ranking of like mm-hmm. one, like one to a
3: thousand or one to seven hundred? Yeah, everybody starts at a thousand. Everyone's got like a kind of a credit report for their like yep. civic,
2: civic wonderfulness and that yep. kind of thing. And and Black Mirror, Mirror. Yeah. Yes. it's Black very Mirror. Black Mirror. And if you speak out against it, you, your kids aren't going to school. They're not going at school at all. You, you can't travel. You can't go buy food in in certain stores. It is total surveillance. And it's where the world is headed, and Google is helping them with this. Yes. And if nobody is in the West is going to stand up, why? Well, so like, Google's banned in China, though, isn't it? So are they? Is Used it's, to be. Oh, did it come back? Oh, then now they're helping.
0: They're helping. Really? So they're going yeah. to offer a search. Engine that right. sensors. Uh, really? Yeah, they're censors. Well,
3: they I mean, they were doing that for a while where you couldn't, like, you couldn't search for Tiananmen Square or Taiwan or Tibet. There's a lot of things yeah. that you couldn't search.
2: You but. can't search for things, and they're also going to, if anybody does search for them, of course, part of the Sharp Eyes program, they'll turn all that I'm, information she, I'm over. I'm
3: kind of I, where uh, I, I was in the China International Stand Up comedy competition about four months ago, and I got to finals, by the way, which is very Aww. good for a guy that doesn't speak Mandarin.
1: <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> Listen to that funny I, I was There
3: was a, 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 a stand-up comedy festival in Shanghai that I was invited to, and I was I went was wow. or or through there, so I went through there and did it. And it was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was actually weird in that I, I did feel like I could socially say whatever I want, and no one was going to get mad at me, which was an interesting thing. But um, we were given very explicit guidelines uh, at the beginning that you cannot talk about Tiananmen Square, Taiwan, Uh, Tibet or any living politician in China, good or bad. And if you do, we will shut the club down. And it was more like, I'd probably be okay, but the people running the club might have severe problems later. Mm. Uh, and I, of course, like, you know, called my parents and be like, this is nonsense, communism, a dusty of history. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking now, like, oh, I wonder if I should go back. I don't, because I want to go to Hong Kong someday. I'm kind of, I'm honestly kind of worried. I also wrote a book called "Laughter's Better Than Communism. And I'm like, <laughs> if they ever
2: did a Google search, like, I think, like, it would be very clear my position on laughter versus no, they, communism. I've, I've talked to people who have traveled over and who are in the intelligence uh, business. And they are, they're monitoring, they'll monitor every phone call. From, from you or anybody else, especially if you're in the media, they will monitor all your phone calls. They will monitor everything. They know who you are at all times.
0: I would suggest maybe. Skip not. Hong Kong? Yeah. Just go straight to Pyongyang.
2: Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Just,
0: just like YouTube in or something. Yeah.
2: Okay, maybe I'll do. Maybe I could,
3: like, it's an enterprising part of China. Maybe I can get some kid to carry an iPad around. There I, you go. I,
2: I've, I've always wanted to go to Russia. It's been my. Since a kid, I've wanted to go to Red Square. I don't know why. I've always wanted to go to Red Square. Don't nobody you should totally do don't, it. Don't nobody do will ever. Yes, nobody. Nobody I know would ever go with me. So I never went. Now should, I don't think yeah. I'm going. Yeah, go, go by
1: yourself. Yeah. yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Seriously, think, I mean it's easy. We can set you up with. I'll pay. I'll pay Are for they, your flight. I will mean, like, pay for your flight.
2: Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast.
0: Mercury One is uh, the gala is coming up for that soon. It is November 17th, and right now they are auctioning off a beautiful. We just did a Facebook Live video with it earlier. So go to, was it your page?
2: Yeah, glendeck.com or Mercury One.
0: Mercury One.org. But it's a Mercedes CLA 250. And it's, this, you get a raffle ticket to win it.
2: This is how my charity can say 100% of the proceeds that are raised for the hurricane go to the hurricane. Because once a year we sell raffle tickets, and this is what pays for the other expenses. So go to mercuryone.org now. Please buy a raffle ticket and come see us in the gala. Find it all at mercuryone.org.
3: Can
0: we can we get free raffle tickets?
2: We okay. should. No, I mean, it's for employees. charity. Can I just
0: have the hey.
2: car. No, it's charity. Oh. Wow. That
1: Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a Premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe.
0: actually got a stunt double, Uh, something happened to Stu, stunt double,
4: Jason Buttrell. Boss uh, texted me and said, get this guy out of here. We need the 18 (laughs) back in. So I was like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) I'm here.
0: Uh, So, but Jason, you were telling us about there's a new um, migrant caravan that's threatening to come here, right?
4: So Glenn's going to talk about this some more tomorrow, I believe, but um, I was looking into this. And this is, like, a, it's a whole lot different than what we saw that was coming down, what was this, just a few months ago? Mm-hmm. And uh, this other caravan went through Mexico, and it eventually fizzled out. And, and, you know, and they were through. threatening
0: big things, too, right?
4: Yeah, and there was a, it was a weird amount of media coverage. Like, we had never heard about mm-hmm. these really before, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden they had embedded, like, BuzzFeed reporters that were following them the entire mm-hmm. way. It's very obvious they wanted eyes on this. This was a little bit different. So this was this one began in Honduras. And so I started kind of digging around and finding out who some of the organizers were for this. So the organizer is a guy. So really quick, a brief history of Honduras. So Honduras um, went through a military coup back in around, I think, 2009. It was really weird because the Obama administration, uh, Obama and Hillary Clinton, at first said this is a this is a bad thing. We can't support coups. We support the guy, the current president. The current president was a big time lefty. Like a big time lefty, he was doing this uh, big agreement with, with uh, Hugo Chavez and uh, mm-hmm. and Rafael um, uh, uh, Castro. Castro, um, they were trying to create like this uh, kind of like a NAFTA type thing, but for those for like these like communist countries, mm-hmm. and they wanted to make their own like they were going to make like the, their version of the euro, and that was going to be their own, their combined you know currency. They were planning some very very big things. So it come time for the end of this president's term, and he wanted to uh, amend the Constitution. Basically, what everyone was saying was so he could stay in power and start kind of ascending to this like dictator-esque type, um, you know, uh, position. Which happens periodically. In Down there, yeah, that's <laughs> not uncommon at all. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so to make a long story short, the, uh, the military uh, got an order from the Supreme Court in Honduras to take, to take him basically in the middle of the night in his pajamas and then fly him to the, like Costa Rica. The military took control. And now it's been this big time, like kind of police state military buildup ever since. So the deposed family, they just kind of like his this guy's wife started a political party. They're still hard, hardcore lefty. They started their own uh, their home party and they're still doing this kind of like insurgency, like, you know, not my president. Type thing, mm. and um, they are the ones that, like, said we're doing this initiative because you know we can't. You know, the government's awful, and they're so
2: they are actual political refugees. They just happen to be on the wrong side of
4: freedom. So, well, I, I don't, I want to call them political refugees. They're just the ones that are picking up the mantle where the guy left, off, where the other guy left off. I think it's Are this, they in danger, though, in Honduras? No, it, it is dangerous there. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's, well, a, well they're, they're tar- not targeted crime. because of this. No, they're not targeted. Okay. It's just like, it's like gang warfare, gang violence, sure. like lots of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, similar things that this Brazilian uh, Bolicero guy is, is talking about, you know, bad economy, crime. That's mm-hmm. the typical things when they want to stir up, you know, populism. Okay. That, that's what they do. Um, so, they're the ones that, that that started, like, advertising this and getting everyone ready. So, now they have, like, 1,500 people saying that their goal is to go through uh, Guatemala, through Mexico, and then eventually make it to the United States. Now, I personally, after looking into the history and all of this stuff, I don't think this has anything to do. I, I don't think they're going to get very far at all. I think it's a huge publicity stunt because of what happened back a few months ago, and they saw everything that happened. And I think it's directed straight towards... The uh, so Honduran you're not, government. You're not finding
2: because last time we found George Soros money and and really amazing American connections. Yeah, you're not finding any of that this time. I'm not finding any of that this time.
3: Okay. So, um, so what was the the initial idea was that the the deposed government was doing this as a way to raise publicity for themselves? That was the thought, or
4: that's my theory. Okay. So they're, they're saying it's just like it's because they want to like have a caravan and, and you know and because of like you know. Human rights get to the United States so they can have a place to live, which, which is, which the plight of the people that, th- that saying, they're and
3: the, and the people that are in the caravan are claiming political refugee status. Right,
4: okay. I know that's their plan eventually when gotcha. they, when they get here. Okay, um, but anyway, I think that they're just capitalizing on the publicity. I don't think this will go that far. I know the president. I think uh, contacted them, I believe today, saying that they were going to cancel a lot of a lot of aid if they didn't put a stop to this. The thing is, is that their military and their government, which is based off this kind of like military rule, is completely beholden to us. Like if we cut off aid, they are screwed. I think we give them about $50 million annually. let the hope that they don't call... The Saudi Arabians and say, "What do we do with these 1,500 people?"
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, do not. not that's, that I think it.
2: we should let them all into the country as long as they promise to
3: open up ethnic restaurants. That's my, <laughs> that's my immigration policy. <laughs> I mean, anyone can come to America. <laughs> anyone, as long as they open up an, uh, an ethnic restaurant. I think that's fine. Great. Sure. That's a good call. Daily yeah. dose of cultural
0: so, appropriation. There. So
2: can we just spend a second on Brazil? Because we, I talked to uh, one of the head reporters uh, of, you know, the. Brazil's version of the New York Times today, about the guy who looks like he's going to be the next president of Brazil. And he is disturbing, um, really disturbing. She kind of underplayed this a bit, and I hope she's right. Um, uh, But his past is 1999, we need a civil war because there's about 30,000 people that need to be liquidated. Um, he In his office, he's in their version of Congress, their parliament, and, and in his office he has pictures of the former dictators of Brazil. Um, who tortured and killed people when yeah. they were in control. He dreams about those days coming back. All of his friends are military. Um, he's uh, but Right now, 70% of the population no longer believes in democracy because they've gone through such scandals. Um, I mean, it, th- this is a country that is on the edge. This guy's a leftist, uh, and he is, she described him as a liberal. I think I would describe him as a leftist. Uh, he apparently still believes, he says he's had a change of heart since then, but what's your pivot point? Uh, and this is exactly the same thing that happened with Hugo Chavez. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to change anything. As soon as he gets in, he changes it all. Um he is uh, uh, not somebody who's going to help uh, South America if he is elected. Uh, if he's elected and he, and he hasn't had a change of heart, um, is, is, he, is he looking like he's going to win the election? Or yeah. is he OK? Yeah, almost for sure he's going to win the election. And Steve Bannon is behind his campaign. Mm. Uh, st- so Steve Bannon, with a, a leftist.
3: Dictator. this is a uh,
2: bannon is whatever a,
0: creates chaos
2: bannon is a chaos guy he is he's from the philosophy of alexander dugan uh, and he believes in populism left or re- right let's go for populism mm-hmm. uh, and he is he is doing everything he can to expand that all around the world and the people he's consulting around the world now are all really bad does, does, does it have,
3: like, a nationalist element to this group as well? Because, I mean, I'm, he identifies as a nationalist and that kind of thing, and, and uh, Brazil's, like, a very ethnically diverse place.
2: I think his nationalism, see, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, you've been doing research on this too, uh, I think his nationalism is more of a harking back to the 1960s and that strong military dictatorship Kind of government
4: he's definitely he's definitely not uh, uh, it's funny. every time there is a populist rise, they always attribute it to the right. when populism is neither left nor right. It's just. Gut it reactions. just is. Just an it just is. Thing, yeah. Exactly. And, and that's and that's interesting too. the language that they use. It's made to. And, and I think we have a and I think we have a we need to be very careful with the language that we use nowadays, especially. And this is kind of how it can maybe uh, translate to you know, what we're facing today. We have to be very careful with the language we use, like drain the swamp. The 1%. Terms like that are very dangerous because those are populist, that's a populist message. It's designed to say, look, there is a majority of people in the country that are being taken advantage of by a minority. And it's also designed to where you're in constant conflict with that minority. Like, it'll never be fixed. So the more uh, you feed that, the more you're in constant conflict, and you'll never win this war, the more you'll have to give more power to these people Mm. to try and fix it. It's why
2: I've really been strong lately on. We have to stop saying Democrats are the problem. They're not politicians that that are embracing antifa or embracing extreme edges on either side. Or, you or if know, they deny,
4: if they refuse to deny it, yes, you know, the,
2: those those are problems. But I don't think the Democrats, the ones I know and live in you know Dallas or you know Oklahoma or wherever, there's lots of, good there's there's lots lots of wonderful great. people in the party. But right. that's not the same thing as the problem people in the party. Correct. And we have to start. Um, uh, losing some of these generalities because it's it's becoming more and more dangerous. Yeah, uh,
0: we've talked about kind of the world burning down all around us, right? <laughs> Terrible things going on in China. We're talking about Brazil um, and then Honduras. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. I, might I just share a a nice story sure. <laughs> about what's going on in the world? Um, there was a Palestinian baby that this was the first time that this has ever happened. Um, he received a heart transplant from a Jewish child in Israel at one of their hospitals. It had never happened before, um, so there was and there is no a Palestinian organ donor waiting list. Like, there is no such thing as that, and it just so happened that there was no Israeli child on this waiting list. And so you
2: can't tell me this. this...
0: The, the, how are these people saying that Israel?
2: Well, but it's, you know, it's because of the people who, again, who are up at the top. If you've ever been to Israel and ever actually sat down and talked to Palestinians without a camera, without a microphone, they're different than they are on camera. Um, They are afraid of saying the wrong thing and being killed. Um, They are just like everyone else. I just want to be left alone I just want to worship God in my understanding I I want to come home after work and be with my family I want to have a nice deal I'd like to have you know a vacation from time to time it is the governments that are constantly telling people you can't do it without us because of them it's all about power and corruption and and the palestinians are a great example of this they're being trained
4: from birth yes yeah, that, that's something. Uh, two things. So one, uh, nobody ever talks about the medical aid that Israel gives Tons. the area that they now call Palestine, um, which Palestine doesn't exist. It's, it's not a place. There's no Palestinian people. But the uh, you know the Middle East Arabs that live there. It's a tragic story because they're always being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. When you look at it through that lens, they're being taken advantage. Right now, the the uh, the people that live in the in the Gaza area, they're being taken advantage of by a terrorist organization, Hamas. They're receiving their orders from Hamas. I get almost daily. Daily updates from contacts I just most recently made in Israel and they are terrifying they're they're just just the other day they uh, um, a, a, an armed group they have about 14,000 demonstrators there almost daily almost daily. We don't even hear about it anymore because the cameras have been shut off. But we, it's, it's just about daily. But they had a, a, a fence attack just the other day with C4 explosives. They were throwing mm-hmm. grenades. I mean, th- it's, 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 it's a war zone every single day there. And the, and the Palestinian people, the people living in Gaza, they, they didn't ask for this. They're being taken advantage of. They're being ordered to do this. Jason, what
2: happens if Saudi Arabia, what, what, what should the president do, in your opinion, if, you know, I hear people in Congress saying, we're going to take a hard line. Lindsey Graham, I'm taking a hard line. I'm going to, you know, feed them their own head. Okay, that's good, except there's no good option anymore. The time to get out of all of this stuff was, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe during the Bush administration. Now the world is totally on edge. We need to get out of there and distance ourselves from them. But how do we do that? If, If we don't, if we now declare Saudi Arabia an enemy, which I have always believed they are, but if we now declare them an enemy, that affects Israel, that affects the entire Middle East, that affects um, Hezbollah, Iran, our economy. One of the reasons the tech stocks are going down is because of their, their funding of tech here in the United States. I mean, it's, it, is, it could be a Ferdinand Marcos moment.
4: What does the president do? It's an, it's an interesting question, and it really kind of goes back to how... The Cold War really disrupted the way we view uh, foreign policy and how, we've, uh, how we continued after the Cold War ended. And you think about it, World War II, World War I, World War II, we never, our, our policy wasn't to get involved this heavily. It was to mm-hmm. m- make sure that there was a balance of power. As long as there was a balance of power in every single region, we didn't even deal with it hardly. We'd, we'd give money. You know, every once in a while, but we wouldn't commit troops and all that stuff. We, we would wait until there was an existential threat, like the Germans or the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germans in World War One or the Nazis in World War Two. When they, when it began to look like they were going to control the entire area, we had to step in. We had to. Uh, same thing with the Soviets in the Cold War. When it looked like they were going to dominate the entire region, we felt like we had to step in, but we never went back. The Middle East is the same. It, it's it's a, it was a tragedy what happened when i this is this is this sounds bad but when when saddam fell and there was nothing when there was no when there was a vacuum there there was no significant check to iran or the other people there mm-hmm.
3: We, all, the, all the various parties in Iraq, as well, mm-hmm. that were uh, right. There's wonderful footage of Cheney uh, when he was Defense uh, Secretary talking about like they're like, why don't you just push into Baghdad? And he's like, well, there's three different groups; that right. all fight each other, yeah, and i right. are yeah, not going to do that. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, that that power got uh, pulled out, and just chaos ensued with a mm-hmm. lot of bloodletting.
4: Yeah. So, I, so to answer your question, it's it's there has to be a, there has to be a, a it has to be balanced in that region. We need to, our, our foreign policy going forward needs to like somehow maintain, help to reestablish that balance so that we can say, and I think actually the president has done a good job pretty much. With letting them take care of their own issues, like
3: what, what do we what do we do presently? I don't know this to to support um, the the Saudi Arabian government because we don't we don't have bases there anymore, do we? Yeah, yeah, we w- do. I thought we got rid of
2: them. Yeah, but. no, I think they're actually in UAE now, uh, in yeah. Qatar. Is yeah, the so they're in Qatar, UAE, um, but we sell. Uh, of military weapons and planes. It's a despotic, um, you know, uh, monarchical dictatorship. It's a theocracy. Right. Like. We are all that is really against us. We're also supporting them in a war. We're flying drones in Yemen. We're fighting a war for Saudi Arabia or with Saudi Arabia in Yemen that most Americans don't even know. Yeah. Should not we shouldn't be there at all? I don't, I don't even think constitutionally. You know, Mike Lee has tried to stop it several times. They won't even bring it to the floor on a vote
0: hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Today's the blaze. Why? Let's see. Marianne says that her takeaway after listening to Glenn Beck radio is that Senator Elizabeth Warren's family has been here so many generations that she can't possibly understand the plight of the immigrant experience. So she is racist and transborder phobic and not fit for office. I like that. <laughs> That's the way that the logic goes now. Right. Did
2: you hear did you hear what the Cherokee Nation said? Oh, yes. They, they
3: said she's not. They, they're, they're not taking her in, right? She, she they're is like, not welcome stop there. it! <laughs> yeah, stop it right now. Yeah. I mean, it's well, although they do, I will say, like, um, they do have a financial incentive to do that. It's one of the big things going on right. because there's a lot of money, and there's there's actually, I think it's with, I think it's with the Cherokee, and I, I hope I'm not getting the tribe wrong, but there was, uh, uh, well, yeah, with the Cherokee, anybody that's not on the Dawes roll that's showing up, going, hey, we heard you got casino money. They're going, nope, unless you were part of it. But mm. all the same, though, there's also a cultural element as well. Of, yeah, uh, it's yeah. have you been to? The different nations? I've been, Tala- I've been to several powwows. I'm a, a, a favorite son of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. I've been to a number of places. I've been to Tahlequah a couple times, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I was uh, with the Cherokees. Was it Cherokees? No. Jason? No, no it was. Uh, uh, was it Apache? Apaches. With the Apaches and, uh, and the Apache Nation. And it is tragically, tragically sad. I mean, we don't realize there are nations, gigantic nations, inside of our nation. We look at our map, and nowhere do you see a border mm. of the, the Native American. But they are gigantic nations, uh, and they're just kind of forgotten, and uh, they're, in, they're not in good shape. They're not in good yeah, shape. The, like the Navajo. I've not been to the Navajo area, but that's kind oh. of the big one you see on a map. That was it, wasn't it? Navajo. I think it was Navajo. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> but it left a of, lasting one of, impression. One of those <laughs> tribes. Well, those, you know, teepees and <laughs> no, none, none of that. I think it was Navajos. It was the Navajos. Uh,
0: so of Saves84, I don't know, maybe you can tell us. He was asking, did Glenn on radio this morning just make sports references that actually made sense?
2: I've done did that you? quite a bit uh, lately. That? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, flexing, my yeah, Glenn? flexing my muscles. yeah. That's thank awesome. did not tell you what it was, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> totally did it.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, have you guys heard really quickly? Because this is what the poll is on: uh, the Trump administration, their new plan for uh, pharmaceutical companies to disclose the cost of the prescription drugs on the commercial if it's over thirty-five dollars. Oh. What? Why? What? What's here?
2: Your... How do we all? Medication's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not babies yeah. now already. It is like, hey, we've got a new drug. They'll say the name real quick and then they'll do 55 yes, seconds all of all the effects. things that stop it. Stop it. Modern medicine, American modern medicine is the marvel of the world. What are we doing what are we doing? What's, what's your take, Andrew? I,
3: I think this is legislating from the gut, and it's not going to be very effective. Because you look at it, it's, it's, it's designed around this concept that pharmaceutical companies, oh, they're really gouging us, so let's get them back. Let's, let's poke them. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot, of, uh, a lot of love for big pharmaceutical companies, like, but I don't think it's going to—I I think this idea that they're all going to go, you know what, you, you got
2: us. We're going to drop it down from $45 to $6. I don't they think can, it's going to happen. This is ridiculous. This I hate this 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 argument comes from the left and I despise it. Here's why. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Here's why. Everybody talks about the wealthiest 1%. They got to pay their fair share. They got to pay their fair share. Well, globally, even the poorest among us in America, we're the wealthiest 1%. So yes, pharmaceutical companies are gouging the wealthiest 1% of the earth and giving, this is, this is, this is exactly what progressives want, except when it's them. G- they're gouging our eyes out in America to make their money so they can sell the same medicine for s- for a price that people can afford in very poor company in countries now you want to shorten that with you know with with patents or or whatever that's fine but to say oh my gosh Canada is p- paying this Mexico pays this for this pill yeah because we're the wealthiest 1%. Well, and, and very relevant
3: data that I don't know would be what is the percentage of new medications that the United States develops? Because I, I do think there's, a, um, there's kind of a huge a riding effect that Europe does where we're producing more medication, we pay more for it. Um, I, like, again, my, my problem with this particular strategy he's employing is there's lots of things we could do to make medicine cheaper. Um, like, like he, I think he brings up Medicare and Medicaid specifically. Like my understanding of Medicare is that um, your, your, the federal government's paying based on cost, so if you're a if you're a, a provider, the more costly you can make the service, the more money you get from the federal government. That's a, an inherent structural flaw mm-hmm. from an economic perspective. So if you mm-hmm. want to try and limit stuff, that's a much better thing to tackle um, than to just trying to shame companies on on you know television by making them list stuff. All
0: right. So today's poll: Do you support the president's new proposal to force drug makers to disclose drug costs on commercials? I think you've just heard their opinion right here. What's your opinion, really quick,
4: Jason? No, I think th- I, th- I think it's ridiculous. Okay. I, yeah. I don't. I don't have a very strong opinion on it.
2: But we yeah. are killing. We are killing modern medicine. We are gonna, The the world will weep when we finally have single payer healthcare. The world will weep. No one. Invents like the United States of America. No one has made more progress on medicine than the United States of America. Why is it every despot and and you know nickel dictator comes here with their family when they're sick? Yeah. Because we lead the world. Stop destroying it.
0: All right, I think we're just gonna leave it there. We'll see you guys tomorrow.
1: Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.